Welcome to Island Baptist Church. Today's Bible study is entitled Creation or Evolution, Part 4. So we're going to be in the book of Genesis chapter 3 here in just a bit. And uh, considering today a thing, the thing called the curse. God cursed Adam and Eve. And because of Adam, ultimately, he curses the ground and everything else in all of creation. We're going to see that demonstrated in the text, but more than anything, we're going to try to apply that to what we know today. Again, what is science? It's stuff that you can see and that can be repeated. Science is not what you believe. You're welcome to believe anything. Believe whatever you want to. But don't call it science. That is not science. Science is empirical evidence. If you couldn't see it, and you can't demonstrate it to me or anyone else, then it's not science. Welcome to believe that, but you're not welcome to call it science. Evolution, therefore, is not science. Creation is also not science. Both of these veins of faith require you to believe in the supernatural. Evolution is not possible apart from the supernatural. We're going to demonstrate that today because the natural speaks directly against it. Uh, natural honestly speaks directly against the scriptures as well to a certain degree because obviously uh, six, six day creation, everything is created in six consecutive 24 hour days. Where are you seeing that? Nowhere. No one can demonstrate that to you. It cannot be repeated. It is not natural. Therefore, it cannot be science. So, so again, we're, we're trying to put these alongside each other and help us think. Uh, we have been we have been hammered uh, by a culture and by a people uh, that we have unfortunately trusted our minds to and that has basically gone unchallenged uh, because someone can wear a lab coat and call themselves a scientist and have a higher degree than we do of understanding and have, have published some things that we can't read the, you know, the genus and species names or the, or the chemical formulas to, so we think automatically they must know what they're talking about. Not necessarily. Not necessarily. Just because people are smart doesn't make them anything other than you, just like you. You're, just, you're a sinner uh, looking for an opportunity. Uh, sin is looking for an opportunity in us to lie to us, to lie to each other. And uh, our culture is built upon sin and upon the corruption of, of what happens to us. What God has done for us by, the, by His grace through His Son Jesus has redeemed us out of that. So now we have the capacity to have the mind of Christ. Totally different thinking system. We have the capacity to see the world from a, from a worldview uh, that the scriptures give, actual truth. Uh, we, we can listen and hear what, and, and, and either you're going to have to believe God or you've got to believe someone who's just like you, who's only going to be through life one time. They have no idea what happened in the past. Uh, either you're going to believe God or you're going to believe them or yourself. Those are your options. And it's sort of dark because that's what life really is. It really is super dark. So if you don't trust what God has to say, really, you're, you're truly in the dark. There's, there is no truth out there apart from him. So let's pray together, and we're going to start here, and we're going to get to Genesis here in just a bit. Heavenly Father, we surrender ourselves to you. We submit our minds, our experiences, our education, our, our lives to you, because all these things can lie to us and tell us that we, we in ourselves have the capacity to figure things out, and that just simply isn't true. In the scheme of things, Lord, we are sheep. Sheep are dumb, sheep don't know where they're going, and, um, and they're under the threat of, of wolves. And so, Lord, we ask for deliverance from the, the doctrines of demons and the false things that are being uh, purported in our world that we uh, fall victim to. We confess that we can't think right from you, apart from you, so we look to you, uh, the great shepherd, to lead us in the direction that we need to go and help us, God, to stop believing ourselves, stop believing anyone like ourselves. And, and to believe you. God, deliver us uh, from the lack of faith that we have uh, in your word and your ability to communicate to us and, and teach us about yourself. Help us to hear you today, God, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So last time we were together, uh, we saw, among other things, and it was sort of repeat, uh, you know, the, the first chapter of, of Genesis, uh, the first chapter of your scriptures, uh, demonstrates uh, six 24-hour consecutive days. To, to say or believe anything different is to basically say the scriptures are not accurate. You're welcome to do that. I just won't recommend that. Either it says what it says, but if it does not say what it says, then there's no way you can know what it says. Either it, it just simply says it, because it's just straightforward as it can possibly be, 
but, but, but to read that and say, oh, that doesn't say 24-hour consecutive days is truly to contradict the Scriptures. Again, you don't have to believe it. Say you don't, but don't say it doesn't say what it says. So we saw that last time. We saw that everything is created in its kind according to what it says in Genesis 1. You have never seen any other, anything other than that. You've never seen any, anything crossing. A cat doesn't become a dog. A dog doesn't become a, an ape. An ape doesn't become a man. There is no evidence of that whatsoever. There's lots of beliefs in that. But neither has any link been discovered, neither in the natural order of things that we can observe today, nor in the fossil record. These are only things that are believed. They have never been proved. They will not be proven. Because I stand on the Scriptures, and I will tell you that it is as God says. We were created according to our kinds. We do not cross. There's not a cross. Uh, also, we saw that in the beginning there was no death. No animal, no human died. Now, this is critical, and this is, a, this is a, a, a definite crossroads where we come to the place where we say, I cannot hold on to evolution and hold on to the Scriptures at the same time. I either have to believe in creation or I have to believe in evolution, but I can't have them both. Because evolution requires you to believe the exact opposite. There had to have been billions of death over millions of years of uh, animals and uh, humans for us to quote-unquote evolve to the level that we are. So either this eliminates the Bible or it eliminates evolution. Can't, can't hold them both. You cannot. Uh, if death did not come as a result of man's sin, and here's where it hits, it's right at the bottom of the tree that we call the cross, then Jesus died for nothing. If death was just a natural occurrence that had been happening for billions of years and it had nothing to do with whether Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, then it eliminates the entire scripture. So we think evolution is not that big of a deal. It is a huge deal. It is demonic. It is satanic. It is anti-scripture. It is anti-gospel. Never doubt it. Never doubt it. It is not um, uh, benign. It is a direct attack on scripture and especially the gospel. Uh, that should be an affront to you if you're a believer. So evolution would have you believe, as we saw last time, that mindless forces produced all the complexity and order that we see today. But where have you ever seen mindless forces create complexity and order? Never once in your life have you seen that. Never once. It's always the other way. Uh, mindless forces create disorder, lack of complexity. Uh, explosions uh, don't clean things up. They mess things up. Uh, tornadoes don't, as we saw last time, don't pass through junkyards and assemble 747s from the random parts uh, that is fueling and sitting on tarmac ready to go. Engine running. Uh, tornadoes don't pass through Scrabble factories and uh, write war and peace from the letters that they find there. That is what evolution is asking you to believe. That mindless forces, total chance, I mean, I mean, so one tornado couldn't do it, so a million tornadoes, a billion tornadoes? How long would it take to, for me to sell you the bridge, you know? Because if you're going to believe that, you're going to believe the bridge is for sale. And uh, by the way, our church just voted to spend a lot of money, so we need your money. So <laughs> we just, we voted, uh, we voted to buy these uh, four lots over here. And so uh, finally, I've been, we've been talking about that since the middle 90s. Uh, so 22 years that I've been here, including that. So anyway, uh, praise God for the directions that he's taken us. Uh, there's a reason why tornadoes don't uh, assemble war and peace from scrabble parts. There's a reason why they don't assemble 747s. There's a reason why they never will. And that reason actually is science. Uh, it's been defined by science. It's a thing called entropy. You may have never heard that word before, but I, I guarantee you, you know what it is. Because entropy is affects your entire life. Our whole lives revolve around entropy. We know it in the Bible as the curse. Science has codified it, they define it, but actually it's something everybody, you already know it intuitively. You fight it every day. You fight it in your physical body, you fight it in your car, you fight it in your house, you fight it in the environment. Uh, we see it everywhere. Uh, entropy is very important. So but let's back up for just a second and let's talk about these laws, these, these science law, scientific laws, the laws of thermodynamics, which have to do with the transfer of energy. And, and, uh, but they apply to larger things. They're not just energy. They also apply because energy is the thing that drives everything. Um, and without energy, we can. And so we have actually the law. There's four laws of thermodynamics. They have a law zero. I don't know. Why don't you start with one? Why don't we have one through four instead of zero through three? I don't know. Anyway, science, you know. 
These are, these are, they call them laws uh, for a very good reason, because there's no exceptions to them. They're not theories. They're, they're things that we could observe universally, and they've been repeated universally. We all know that they're true. In fact, in most cases, with, I guess, if, unless you just think about these things, you don't know that they're true. Like, for instance, you don't know the third law of thermodynamics, that everything in, in the Yukon right now is at absolute zero, and so all the molecules stop moving. You didn't know that, but that's what happens in the Yukon, right? And that's why you're down here. So, so absolute zero is, is the third law. We won't talk about that one. And the zero law, we won't talk about that one. I want to talk to you about the first two because they matter. They also point, they tell you a, a lot about your scriptures uh, and, and the faithfulness and the reliability of them. Law number one is uh, the law of energy. Uh, is a law of energy, and very simply, it is that energy is conserved. Here's the definition. There is no more energy or if you will, balls of energy like atoms being added to the system. The system is a closed system. Nothing is being taken away from it. No atoms being subtracted. No atoms being added. No energy being added. No energy being subtracted. It all is set. There's nothing increases. Nothing is decreasing. Everything is being shifted around. Now we're moving these atoms around. We can do that. Your, your body is an assimilation of atoms. And those atoms were something else in the past. I'm not saying reincarnation. I, what you are isn't just physical, right? You're also spiritual body, soul, and spirit. But your physical body was dirt at one point not too long ago. And you were assimilated into someone else's system, and you came into being inside your mother's womb by the, by the power of God. But you're nothing. Your physical body is nothing more than dirt with a lot of water added. That's all it is. So these atoms, though, always existed since God created them. They were something else. They become you. And guess what happens before too long? Those atoms are going to disassemble and turn into some, a rose bush. I don't know. What, what are you going to be? Uh, or out there, we'll, we'll launch you out there in a ship and put you out, and then you can become a fish or whatever your physical body wants to be. But the, the law of... Law of of uh, the first law of thermodynamics is just simply that. And the Bible is in total agreement with it. God created everything in six consecutive 24-hour days, and then he rested not adding one atom to the system after that. Not one thing. Ever since then, we've been taking what God has made. We can't make the way God makes. God makes, uh, as we talked about, bara, from nothing into something. We can only take something and make something else from it. So I, can only, I have to go get atoms to make them into something else. I can't... I, I can't just snap my fingers and out of thin air, out of non-existence, no atoms whatsoever, create a car. I have to take atoms from, from other elements and turn them into a car. We're going to talk about that in just a second. But all atoms and energies are created in those six 24-hour consecutive days, and nothing has been added to them. It's in total agreement with the first law of thermodynamics, your scriptures are. The universe is only rearranging atoms, or in some cases the derivatives, the subatomic particles of those atoms for some nuclear weird people. And uh, <laughs> we need to be grateful for them because, boy, have we made some huge advances through that. So the first law of thermodynamics is just energy is conserved. Nothing's being added. Nothing's being subtracted. Uh, energy is just flowing between systems. You're at a high energy level right now. You may not feel like that, but your body's headed toward a low en energy level where there's, you go back into the soil that you came from. So you've been highly energized, and it's going to go back down, and which just brings us to the next law, which is called the law of entropy, which is the bigger in my, in my opinion, the biggest law we need to under, because we all are familiar with this. You maybe didn't know that no atoms are being added to the system. You may not even care, but I guarantee you care about entropy because it messes with you every single day. Ladies, so how did you fix your hair this morning? Or let me ask you this. Is this the way you fix your hair? Oh boy, it's blowing outside. I'm going to go out and let the wind blow in my hair, and then when I go inside, I'm just going to spray it all. Because the wind, a unintelligent force, always fixes your hair the best. Is that correct? Of course it's not. The wind is entropy. So you, you started today with trying to make yourself as low a level of entropy as you possibly could. You fixed your hair. You got it right, you sprayed and set it, and then you stepped out into 25-mile-an-hour winds. Entropy worked on you, and now your hair is something less. No, I'm not talking about anybody particular here. <laughs> but, 
Now your hair is something less than it was when you were standing in the bathroom 30 or 45 minutes ago. Is that not true? What happened between the bathroom and the church is a thing called entropy. Things are going from a state of high order to a state of lower order. There is no exceptions to that. Now, you can turn them around for a short amount of time, but they will always naturally go downhill. They do not naturally, nothing naturally goes uphill. If you see anything that is proceeding uphill, you know two things. Somebody's putting energy into it, and somebody's putting intellect into it. There are no exceptions to that. Evolution would have you to believe the opposite of this. In fact, it would have you believe the opposite upon millions and billions of occurrences when we haven't ever seen an exception, not even once. The reason why they call it a law, you know why? Because there aren't any exceptions. So it eliminates, I would strongly say to you, completely the possibility of evolution existing. Because evolution says things go uphill. No, they don't. Have you ever seen that? Like I said, you're, there's a brother here from B.C. Your house is still not going, even though we talked to you last week about your house is going to go downhill if you don't go back. It's still, you're still not there, and there, it's still going down here. Wherever you're from, the vehicle you rode up here in, the body you're living in, the life you're currently living, the earth you're standing on, all of it is not going uphill. It is all going downhill no matter what we do. You cannot change that. It is all dying. And the reason why it's dying is because that is what God decided to do with it. The thing he created for life, the thing he created to sustain and bless and hold an equilibrium forever in that level of blessing, he removed his blessing from it because of the sins of our ancestors. And we are all dying going downhill. Everything is. Every star, every planet, every solar system, every system, every ecology, everything, every mountain, every the mountains are shorter than they were. Why? Because it goes downhill. It doesn't go, there's sometimes exceptions. Like I said, there's, there's the volcanoes every once in a while. But guess what? As soon as that volcano stops, it starts melting, doesn't it? Well, not literally. Maybe, maybe so. But, but it, you know, I guess not, not in a short term, but in a long term, the thing gets shorter and shorter and shorter. Land gets flatter. It goes from a level of high order, right, to a level of disorder. There's no exceptions to this. The law of entropy uh, is it, everything increases, entropy always increases over time. It does not decrease. Things don't get better over time. They get worse. No exceptions. You have never seen or will you ever see an exception to this. Uh, as an example, you drove up here in a car, right? Well, God created the atoms that we put together to create your car. By the way, it took lots of intelligence and lots of energy to create your car. And we took things like, for instance, we, not me, but people up in Michigan, took things... <laughs> Compounds like steel and plastic and rubber and glass or other elemental, left them in their elemental states, like copper and iron and zinc and silver. Did you know there's silver in your car? I did not know that. Anybody here drive an electric car or a, or a hybrid? Electric car has two ounces of silver in it, at least. Hybrid cars have about an ounce and a half. Everybody else is, you know why, right? Unless, unless you don't have a new car. If you have a car from the 80s or the 70s, you don't have any silver. But now, because of our computer systems that are all in our cars, lots of silver. So I don't know if you've invested in silver lately, but I have, and the market's way down, so I need you to buy some <laughs> so that mine will... So that's just an unpaid-for announcement. <laughs> silver is an industrial metal. It's not just a monetary metal. We've used it for centuries upon centuries upon centuries for money. And now it's become very, very... Um, uh, all of your solar panels... Uh, lots of silver in those things. These windmills, lots of silver in those things. Any computer, any cell phone. Silver, 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 silver. Of course, other things too. But anyway, go buy silver. Anyway, so we've taken all these things, all these, these, these molecules and all these atoms, and someone smart, someone's smart, arranged them into a thing called your car. But those atoms and molecules will not stay your car forever. They were not your car to begin with. That's the state of e equilibrium. They were rearranged into a higher state of order and energy, which is where it is right now, but it won't stay there. It will go back to equilibrium. It'll go back to the elements just like your body will, the elements from which they came. Uh, how crazy is the notion to say that a car had happened and it came into existence by chance? No one is that crazy. But again, we would say that the driver who's behind the steering wheel is created by chance. It's lunacy. It's complete lunacy. Back to the car. You're being taken for a ride. Those atoms that are organized into a car 
will not stay organized. They are from the moment that they were created headed downhill back to a state of equilibrium. That iron, that steel is headed back to its elemental states. That plastic is headed back to whatever petroleum product it, it came from, elemental carbon chain uh, states, the, the aluminum, the copper, the potassium, the carbon oxygen, the, the hydrogen, the nitrogen, the sodium, the lead, the silver, all of that is headed either back to the ground or back to the air where it came from. Because that's what happens with entropy. It goes from a state of high order to a state of, of low order. Take, take your car and set it in the parking lot here for a thousand years. It won't take that long, by the way. Not even a hundred years. What will you find in a hundred years? Just leave it right there. It'll be nothing but dust. Maybe rubber lasts longer, but I'm telling you, the petroleum products, carbon chain stuff, but I'm telling you, the, anything metal, any plastic even rusts here. Everything rusts here. That thing will be gone. What you will not find in the place of your Honda, for instance, is a Lamborghini, because things don't go uphill. <laughs> you know that. If I tried to sell you a bill of goods, and again, like I said, if you're going to believe this one, the, the, the bridge is definitely for sale for you. But if I try to sell you Billy Goods and say, listen, you just park your car right here, sweetie, and I guarantee you in 100 years there's going to be a Lamborghini if you can just hold on that long. And by the way, pay me $1,000 a month to make sure that I oversee that. Of course, I've, you know, if I'm lying to you, I might as well get money from you. You would never believe that. Because things don't go uphill. They don't get better. Unless somebody came and melted your car down and reorganized it, and they, again, lots of energy and lots of intelligence to do that, put a new computer in it, lots of silver. There's no Lamborghini going to be there. You know that. Again, don't let them tell you you're not a scientist. You're a scientist. You observe a lot of things, and you would never believe that. A child would never believe that. You're, you're, you're not near as dumb as they would like for you to think that you are so that they can dominate you by their badges and by their titles and all these other things. Uh, and, I, and again, I'm, I'm all about titles and badges. I've got degrees. I've got all those things. I mean, be as educated as you could possibly be, but don't try to sell me on something that just simply cannot be true. I have a huge problem with that. The curse in the Bible, or entropy, means everything is headed back to way, the way God originally created. He put all the energy into the system, all the atoms and molecules and subatomic particles, and nothing's been added to, and nothing's been subtracted to that. They were all in an elemental state. Everything, God says, is headed back to that same state. Everything. In fact, he's going to eliminate all of it and reorganize it into a new heavens and a new earth where righteousness reigns because... Sin has corrupted this place, and so God has put it under a curse of, of corruption. Entropy is happening to everything, everything living, everything non-living, everything. There is no exception to this. That's why they call it a law. Here's an example I got off the Internet, just a simple understanding of entropy. Like I said, the, the balloons don't inflate. They deflate. In, you, you show me a balloon that inflates by yourself, and I will show you a miracle. That didn't happen. Ladies, your hairs don't, don't get better by taking it out in the wind and then spray it with Aquanet after you're done. No, you've got to put energy into that, don't you? And then you've got to fight it every day. It's not like I should just you know, go to the hairdresser and it's done for the rest of my life. No, because why? Because in entropy, the second law of thermodynamics, it's absolute. There aren't exceptions. Everything is going from a high, high state of order to, or if you will, or from low entropy to a low state of order, which is high entropy. Everything is. The sun, the earth, the solar system, everything in it. Everything was more organized, more together. It was all uh, uphill in the past, and it's all been downhill ever since, and it will continue to go downhill. It's just a simple fact of science. There's no exceptions to this. Your car is headed to a state of equilibrium. Everybody, someone organized it uh, in the, in, from the elements found in the earth and the, and the air. It's going back to that. Your body... Someone organized those elements found in the earth and the air into a thing called you. And that body is headed back to a state of equilibrium. This law defeats any chance that evolution has. Natural, the natural order of things is downhill. Again, evolution, if, and you're welcome to believe it, asks you to believe, requires you to believe in the supernatural. Because what evolution is purporting doesn't happen naturally, ever. What the Bible is purporting doesn't happen naturally, ever. You're going to have to believe in supernatural either way, and you're going to have to believe either one of them because none of, neither one of them can be demonstrated. 
So things don't get better, like I said, over time. They come apart. They fall apart. And this law is completely in agreement with the Scriptures. Now we're ready for Genesis 3. Genesis 3. Here's the beginning of entropy, if you will. Prior to this, everything was in a state of equilibrium at a high order, a high energy level, the way God created it, to live forever, to be perfect. He said everything was good, and then he had to curse it all because we did what we did. The serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field, verse 1, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, indeed, has God said, you shall not eat from any tree of the garden? Of course, that's not what he said, because he's just trying to rock her, and he does. Rocks her back, and uh, she comes back with something inaccurate, fairly, fairly so. And the woman said to the serpent, from the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat, but from the tree of which is in the middle of the garden, God said, you shall not eat from it or touch it. Now, he didn't say that. He said, just don't eat it. But anyway, she added that. Lest you die, it's just, there's, she's cracking. And the serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die. Death, by the way, is the perfect definition of entropy. Everything, you know that, everything's dying. Nothing is getting better. It's all dying. We're all dying. We're all terminal here. It's just a guarantee. Everybody knows that. The aborigine in the bush over there who has, can't read or write, he knows that. He knows that his hut and that his home and that his family are coming apart. He's seen it. He will see it because there aren't exceptions to this. It's not, a, not an issue of education. It's just an issue of can you, do you have eyeballs and can you think a little bit? Because that's what's happening. Death is a perfect illustration of entropy, and, and so God curses uh, everything. Uh, look with me at, uh, skip on down there uh, to verses, uh, I didn't write it down. Here we go, verse 17. This is the, this is the verse that I say, yeah, ladies. It says to Adam, because you listen to the voice of your wife. There you go, Yeah. And have eaten from the tree about which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Not because of Eve, but because of Adam, because someone had to be in charge, and the guy who was in charge messed up. So God cursed the ground because of Adam's sin. So what, what, what did the earth do? Nothing. What did the animals and the plants that grew out of the earth? Nothing. But they all fall in the curse. He, we, because he put us in charge of everything, when we made a decision, when they made a decision, it affected everything. Was, don't think God didn't put us in charge because when we made a decision, it, it, he didn't say, okay, hold up right there. We're not going to go with that. We're going to go around. You know, He just didn't put us in charge. And, you ever been in charge and then when you go to make a decision, somebody says, oh, no, 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 we can't do that. I thought I was in charge. God doesn't work like that. If he says, you're in charge, you're in charge. Rises and falls on you. It did on Adam. Thorns and thistles that shall grow for you and you shall eat from the plants of the field and the sweat of your face you shall... Eat bread until you return to the ground. What is that? Entropy. Because you were taken from it, you for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Everything else uh, included. Here's uh, just rounds it out. Paul rounds it out for us over here in Romans chapter 8. For the earnest expectation of creation eagerly awaits for the revealing of the sons of God. Why? For the creation is subjected to futility. To futility. You ever feel like life is futile? Because it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter how well you eat, how hard you exercise. It doesn't matter how well you invest, how well you plan. You're going to die. It's futile. Seemingly futile. The earth is the same way. And everything in it, in all of creation, was subjected to futility, not willing, but because of him who subjected it in hope, because the creation itself also was delivered from the that the creation itself will be delivered from its bondage to corruption. Like I said, it doesn't get better. We know this. Scripture doesn't disagree with any scientific fact. It disagrees with a lot of people who say they're scientists and believe things. It disagrees a ton with that. But no facts. It's bondage to corruption and the glorious liberty of the children of God. So the creation is waiting for us to be recreated so that it can be. Because it groans. It, it's, it's not just, it's not, this isn't what we were, this isn't what it was created to be. We were created to be highly organized and energized and living forever, and that's not what's happening. 
It's not just true for us, it's true for the whole creation. The whole creation hurts along with us. Not what you see is not what God and the way he created it for it, for it to be. So, so, so it's a law of nature, eliminates evolution as a possibility. It just really does. I mean, you don't, I, I, you don't have to believe in the Bible, uh, but I will say the curse eliminates the other option, believe in evolution. It absolutely does. Evolution was invented, never, never doubt this, not because of facts. I've been demonstrating to you facts that speak strongly against it, not the least of which is, like I said, the law of uh, entropy. It wasn't created because of facts. It was created for the single purpose of divorcing human responsibility to answer to their creator. And, and in case you doubt that, here's the creator of that system himself. Oops, I didn't put it up there. Not Adolf. Darwin, I'll read it to you. I didn't put it on the slide, I guess. I mean, where is that? Hang on. Nope, Adolf Huxley. Nope, nope, nope. But I've got it in my notes. So here's Darwin. Here's his own words. Quote, I am determined to escape from the design of a personal God at all costs. This is his whole premise. At the cost of what? Truth, empirical data, facts, science. Again, if you love your sin enough, you will do anything. You know that. You will talk yourself into anything. You know that. And, and he used it, he created a system where his conscience would allow him to do whatever he wanted to do. That's evolution. It has no facts in it. No empirical data. The, 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 the original writer, creator of evolution, wasn't interested in the facts. The facts spoke differently. So he just created a system that somehow would let him think differently. And if he can convince others to think differently, we have this collective consciousness, which is what evolution is. All it is, just a bunch of people agreeing together. It's kind of like American Dollar. Why is it worth anything? Because we all agree that it is. Does it actually have anything back in it? Nope. Start a fire with it. It won't last very long. But it's no goal. There's no real things behind it whatsoever. We just all agree about it. So what happens if we start thinking we don't trust the dollar anymore? <whistles> Did I tell you to buy silver and gold? <laughs> That's what you need to do. <laughs> That's what you need to do. Or an oil well or something big and solid or land or something because, man... It won't last. Uh, fiat dollars don't, don't ever, they never do. But the same is true with this system. So it was created, just, it's just a faith system, and it's only backed up by faith. And as soon as people stop believing it, it falls apart because it doesn't have any empirical data with it. Now, let's get to Hitler. So, so it, 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 based upon that system, uh, Hitler, Hitler wrote, for instance, his Mein Kampf uh, uh, as an expression of his sadistic mind and his justification. He used evolution as justification for all the murders and mass killings that he did. Because if, if he didn't do those things, he wouldn't be, he wouldn't be supporting the, 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 the highly evolved race, the master race, the super race, of course, what he believed he was the, the head of. Here's his own words. He who would live must fight. He who does not wish to fight in this world where permanent struggle is the law of life has not the right to exist. There he I mean, hats off to him. He, he didn't, you got a lot of people that are preaching one thing and they do another thing. He didn't. He preached and lived this, didn't he? His own minister of uh, uh, the, the head of the Nazi labor front uh, said this about Hitler's massacres, quote, it was the highest and best in manhood because they, totally, they were totally complete believers in evolution. We evolved. Here, and here's what evolution does for you, more importantly. We don't answer to God. So our conscience is clear no matter what we do. We create our own reality, and our reality says it's okay for me to kill you. And so, poof, there you go. And that's what they did. And even with all this evidence, uh, biologists and evolutionists, Julian Huxley, 1964, says crazy words, right? Evolution is the most powerful, most comprehensive idea that has ever risen on the earth. Hmm. Yeah, I, I do agree with him. Most demonic and devilish. Since the Garden of Eden, very powerful. No, no, no other time in, in human history have we been sucked into such a great lie as this. Because, because and how big is the lie? It's huge. And it, it's, it demonstrates how dumb we are, how much like sheep we are. Because if I told you there's a building, I wonder how it happened by chance. 
think I'm a nut, and I would be. There's, there's a car. I wonder how that was created by the wind and waves and the solar system and the little moon dust. It's a nut. But if I turn around and say that the human being driving the car is created by chance, oh, I'm a scientist now. Guys, this is, it's total bunk. It's complete lies. And it has been unchallenged. And it doesn't take much to challenge it. Just a little empirical data. A little bit of logic. Just put it together. Say, it doesn't work like that. You've never seen that, and you can't prove that. And guess what? They can't. There's a universe, a vastly complex one, uh, more, more complicated. I wouldn't say that piano, how did it happen by chance? I would say, who, what smart person created that? Vastly more complicated than a piano or your car, and yet I look at the universe and say, this is created by chance? No way. It's completely divorcing yourself from logic and reason. Complete. Complete. It is logical suicide to say chance created all this. So logic abandoned leaves us with myth. And the enemy of myth is logic and empirical data. They, all you got to do is just pull out a calculator, or pull out a measurement, or ask some questions, and you immediately, and, and God-given reason, and you immediately unravel uh, these kind of things. But because we live in a system, again, it's a great demonstration that there really is a devil. I mean, I don't think you doubt that, but there really is a devil. He's not dumb. And his, his, his force over us in, in this world that we live in is very powerful. We could believe something as foolish as this, and not just one or two of us. You could do a few people. But the entire globe sold out on this. Only system that's being taught in our schools. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Hat, you know, if you will, hats off to the devil. He did a great job. And, and what, what, kind of, what kind of humility does it bring into our lives to think that we could be duped that easily? So, so in order to be an evolutionist, you have to believe, that's all you got, that chance created everything, and you have to reject, therefore, empirical data and embrace irrationality, because that's all you've got. And by the way, if you love your son enough, you will. That's, that's why, why are these very educated people truly smarter than most of us here? Certainly more smarter than me. But how, how could they, in the quote-unquote pursuit of truth, come up with such lies and still hold on to those lies, even when they have a calculator just like I do? They have a brain and they have eyeballs just like we do to observe the world they live in. How can they still hold on to this? Because again... We are not just physical creatures. We are spiritual creatures created originally in the image of God. When we left that image, we also left our senses with it. The Bible says that. We're demonstrating that. So as I've said before, the main enemy of evolution is actual science. And real numbers and statistics and real measurements actually verifiable things defeat it. So, so here, here's, some, uh, here's some, a final uh, equation for you to think about. Again, we don't ask hard questions. Well, they're not really hard questions. We just don't put math. You take out a pencil and a piece of paper, and you can defeat evolution. Here, here's one. So why, if evolution is true, we've been around for a million years or two million years or even half a million years, are we only now reaching a population level that we are today? Why? If we don't ask that question. 7.8 billion is where we are today? That's a lot. Why is the only Earth only now getting populated that way? Why? Haven't we reached some kind of pinnacle quite a long time ago? In fact, why aren't we? In fact, I would say, suggest to you, if you're an evolutionist, you've got a huge problem with statistics because it, it, it's gonna, they're going to stomp you into the ground. Here, here's some stats for you. So you don't have a problem, by the way, at 7.8 billion if you believe that the Earth was created 7,000 or so years ago and was bottlenecked about 4,500 or 5,000 years ago in a thing called the flood. You don't have a problem with statistics if that's what you believe. We were down to eight people 4,000, 5,000 years ago. The statistics actually support your position. But if you're in evolution, believe we've been here for millions of years or even 500,000 years, you've got a massive problem with actual empirical data. Here, here watch. So, so here's some facts. In the mid-1600s, the population globally was estimated to be around 400 million compared to 7.8 billion. We've come a long ways, haven't we? In the beginning of the 1800s, global population was estimated to be around 800 million, so it doubled in those 200 years. World population. In 1990, the world's population was 5 billion. Everybody here was alive. And we've increased by 2.8 billion since 1990. 
we're 7.8 billion. So the average between the 1600s and 2023 is that we have averaged a, um, a, a population growth. We've, we've doubled every 50 years in population. So again, it's not a problem if you believe in a young earth and that humans were bottlenecked as a, as a species 4,000, 5,000 years ago. You don't have a problem with the stats. You have a huge stat problem, though. If you ignore the prolific evidence that there was a flood globally, you know, the, the average depth of sediment on the earth is a, is a mile? Tell me what, what water system is laying down a mile of sediment? On top of the mountains, even. Even in the Yukon. So they even had a flood that went all the way up there, the top of the mountains. What system is laying that down today? The rivers are laying down sediment, but really nowhere else. The wind's blowing a little dust, a little sand around. So again, the, the, these quote-unquote scientists will throw you out billions and billions of years because they know you, you won't pull out a calculator to, to, to try to figure that out. So you don't have a problem with the Earth's population if you believe in a young earth, but if you believe in an old earth, you've got yourself a real problem. I'll demonstrate it to you. So if we've been here for, let's say, 500,000 years, which that's not what they say. They say we've been here for a couple million, but let's just give them a very, 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 very conservative number. 500,000 years, half a million. And you believe that the population only doubled. Here's, here's a problem. Here's just simple math. So if we, to, to reach 7.8 billion from 500,000 years ago, means you have to believe the population only doubled every 16,500 years. Poof! Your theory goes out the window. Just numbers. Just math. You can't explain it. We're not even talking about millions. We're talking about half a million. You have to believe the population would only double every 16,500 years. So we only go to two, from two to four every 16,500 years. Please. You're smarter than that. The numbers don't work. Anywhere in evolution, they don't work. They especially don't work here. So today, the world's global family has an average of 3.6 children. Which one of your kids was the 0.6? <laughs> the, average, the average family has 3.6 children and are at a population growth rate of 2% per year. That's where we are. That's, kind of, that's a standard we've been in since the 1600s. In the past, factoring in famines and plagues and catastrophes and with a very conservative estimate, families had two and a half children. Now, you know, empirically, that, that isn't true. But I'm going to give a, we're just going to give a real conservative number, two and a half children. We know in the past they had bigger, bigger families. Most of you are from bigger families than, the kids, than your kids. And especially grandkids are already, my, my, my son and, and daughter-in-law talking about not having kids. They don't want any. That's common. Probably won't. Because, you know, Kids are trouble. <laughs> but in the past, in the past with nothing else to do and no television, you people had a bunch of kids. They all did. And our, our grandparents and great-grandparents have even more kids. So, so to say that in the past we only had two and a half kids is, is really, really understating it. But just for the sake of math, let's just give a really, really conservative number. So in the past, let's say, instead of 3.6 kids, the average family only had two and a half surviving kids. Again, we know better than that, but with a very conservative number of two and a half children per family and a family growth rate factoring in all the catastrophes that could possibly happen of not 2%, but only a half a percent per year. It's extremely conservative. So in the past... Primordial, as they say, the primordial past. So if we've been here 500,000 years... Our generations today, because we have better health and because we have better nutrition, we have better understanding of these things, we have good medicine, we need to be grateful for God for those things. Our generations are considered to last 25 years. Every 25 years, it changes another generation because that's typically the time when people are getting married and they're having kids and a new generation starts. So in the past, if, if we understand things better, people didn't live as long. Of course, we know the Bible says they lived a whole lot longer at some time in the past. We're going to talk about that next time. You don't want to miss that. But in the, let's say in the past, just according to what we think, the common, common thinking, that we only lived, our generations weren't 25, they were every 20 years. Again, conservative numbers, 20-year generations, two and a half kids per family, half a percent growth rate. So that, would, by the way, gives you 25,000 generations since 500,000 years ago. That's a lot. 
but you put these into an equation, 25,000 generations, uh, at 5% growth rate at two and a half kids per family, and you get, a, you should be somewhere north or a little south of this number right here. 1 times 10 to that exponent. That's 2,100 zeros. Here's, here's what it looks like. And I circled down here. Oh, you can see it. Oh, see, there's the one. So you got to put a one in front of those zeros so they don't matter. But that's, that's 2,100 zeros, okay, just to give you a graphic of how that works. So this is what they're expecting you to believe. Or, and obviously you couldn't believe this because this doesn't work. So something that they're telling you, it can't be true. So again, conservative. We're calculating you know, very conservative growth rates, very small families, all those things. So that's one with 2,100 zeros behind it. That circle right there represents where Earth's current population is. That's where 7.8 billion people are. So the math doesn't work, does it? It's not at all. It's not anywhere close. Again, the enemy, the enemy of stuff like this is empirical data, actual science. Like the law of entropy, it's great, great science. It's observable, it's repeatable, you know it. You may not know anything about absolute zero. They do it in Yukon. You may not know anything about the, ad, you know, the atomic uh, equations that nothing's being added to it. Our nuclear scientist knows that. But the rest of us all know about entropy because it's, it's our lives. We fight it all the time. We're fighting it with our skincare products. We're fighting it with our hair coloring. We're fighting, no offense, we're fighting it with our, our hair dryers and our curlers and our vitamins and all that. But you will lose, I promise you, because it is a law. It is the law. The whole earth is losing. The whole environment is losing. The planet, the stars, the universe, the solar systems, the, everything is losing this battle because it is an absolute law. And evolution was very much defeated uh, in the process. So we'll stop right there. Lots of other things to talk about, but like I said, I, I can't get, if I start getting into other stuff, then I, we're going to talk about this guy next time. Don't you like him? I like that nose. And we're going to talk about this next time which is the chart from your Bible. This is the ages of old, the charted people. Again, we have all this information in the Scriptures, and a lot of times we don't assemble it. And it is very instructive. Uh, fascinating, in fact, because we're going to see some things about the past that we wouldn't have other otherwise understood. We're also going to talk about these dinosaurs. That's, that one was killed in Alabama like 10 years ago. But. So that's, that's happening next time. And, and, and this old guy who's got a really nice, prominent nose. So, so stop right there. So questions. I got, always my rule is you have to ask a question that makes me look good. You can't make me look bad, so please don't make me look bad. You'll just stick to what I studied. Don't you hate it when professors you know, would say, we're going to have a test you know, at the end of the month, and then he'd come up with something that he didn't talk about in class. And so unless I studied it in my office, you can't ask a question about it, Okay. <laughs> Yes, sir, David. Uh, so we won't go back to like it was in the garden in the millennium. It'll be a new heaven and a new earth. We're headed in the millennial reign of Christ, the Bible says, is we're going to have some suspension of things. Well, for instance, you're, you're in the millennial reign of Christ, as I understand it. Our bodies are going to be suspended from the curse. We're going to be resurrected. So we'll, we'll be a part of the new creation. But the rest of the earth and the the environment, for instance, and even the geography is going to have some upgrades, but it's still going to be underneath the curse. We're still going to have sin. So things are still going to be declining, but we're going to have a, we'll, have a, we'll have a king that's reigning, of course, and we'll be reigning with him, Scripture, scripture teaches us. Well, already we have inside of us the new creation. Already we have because of the Holy Spirit. Again, those of us who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons and daughters. By the way, you're not going to stay... You're a daughter, but you're going you're gonna to become a son. Did you know that? It's not a gender trans transition or anything like that. No. It's status. Status. All of us get the status of sons. Male, female makes no difference. It's going to be great. Yes, ma'am. It is not absolute zero in the Yukon. I know, but it's almost. You can't wear shorts. So does it freeze the skin on your legs if I went out in shorts? Do ladies have to shave or they just go and just freezes the hair off? <laughs> just questions, it's inquiring minds here. Not in February. Not, not in February, because you can actually 
win prizes for the longest growing hair on your legs. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to. Nobody's seeing those legs. <laughs> anyway, sorry, Ruth. Yes, ma'am. Just for a comment is um, <clears throat> um, we have First Nation people there. Yeah. All their history has been verbal, like oral, and they talk about the flight. Yes. That's been passed on. So even the, the oldest cultures do, uh, almost without exception, uh, have a, a flood epic in their stories. Uh, Central America, the, the North American originals, uh, all, almost all of your Asian cultures, uh, Middle Eastern especially, have a flood epic. We're going to be talking about the flood, and the Bible very clearly states that there was a flood. So if there really was a flood, and there really was, and, but you don't believe there was a flood, and you're trying to run math on things that measure things like carbon-14, and we're going to, that's coming up next. Um, bring your nuclear scientist hats on. We're going to talk about that. Uh, like carbon-14 and other things, you, you don't have enough data to, to make that work. So it's like I'm adding a string of numbers, but the middle 30 numbers out of 20, out of 40, I don't have. And so all I have is the five in the five in the top and the five in the bottom and the middle twenty I don't have. Guess what? Guess what happens? I don't get. I don't. There's no way I can get an accurate number at the bottom. I'm only. I can only write a number that I want it to be. And if my heart says that I want it to be really, really long time ago, guess what? That's the number I write in. That's what's happening. That's. That's. You don't even have to come next time. Now I've already explained to you carbon fourteen dating. That's it. <laughs> that's all they're doing. So anyway, Ruth, is that you didn't have a question though? You just. No, it's just a comment. Yeah. Yeah, they, they do. Old, old cultures do. And they're very old. Yes, ma'am. I was wondering, do you have... You wrote me a question this week, and I didn't answer, did I? I'm sorry. I was wondering what happened there. I just thought about that. Okay. That's <laughs> Write it to me again. I probably erased it. I don't know what it is. Okay. Um, so, can you be a Christian and believe in evolution? You can be a Christian and be all kinds of sin. You can be a murderer. You can be a rapist. You can be... Pornographer, you can be, you know, I mean, I, you know, God finds us in our sin. We can still be confused about a lot of things. Again, what, what are sheep? They're confused animals. That's what they are. So, but God is not taking us where we are, wherever we are, having trusted Christ, and he's now disassembling those things. I was a Christian, believed in evolution. I became a Christian when I was eight years old. I didn't have any idea what evolution was until I had a science degree from Texas A&M, in which they told us the facts of evolution, which they had no facts, but. And so I was just like, wow, well, okay, well, then God created through evolution. And I never analyzed it, never, didn't know my Bible well enough, and didn't know evolution well enough. But now I do, at least enough to know that, no, you can't do that. But God, God, God I mean, we, we, we have to make sure that, we, so, so maybe, maybe answer your question this way. So what does it take to become a believer? I have to trust Christ as my only way of salvation. We can't add in and believe that creation happened. I, like I said, I, I, thought, I said earlier, and I don't see the gentleman here this week, but I said earlier, I believe the gospel starts with God created everything. But, but sometimes people don't, you know, you, you have to take them where they are, and we, we need to tell them. And, but I, I truly believe that a person has a very hard time trusting Christ if they don't believe that they're answering to a God. And again, evolution is, they've, they've morphed it into something that God created with and, and all that, so... But the hardcore evolutionists know definitely not. You have, you, they're they're uh, mutually exclusive systems. Either I believe in creation or I believe in evolution. You can't believe both. Mutually exclusive. Or throw them both out and come up with them on my own or something, but can't have them. Those two will not ride in the same car together. Yes, sir? How do evolutionists, these smart people, mm -hmm. respond to the creationists' comments and observations about entropy? They, they really don't have, as far as I know, they don't have a response. Well, no, I shouldn't say that. Here's a response. Something was different in the past. Uh, again, something that was not natural, therefore supernatural. And they won't say those words, but that's what they're asking you to believe. So the natural order of things is very, very obvious, very, very unarguably so downhill. But they, they will say, because they believe in their heart so strongly in evolution, that something was, had to be different in the past. And that's what we're, we're trying to find the evidence of that. But that's, again, it's a belief system. Would the same apply to the population group? Uh, sure. 
Something huge happened in the past. Well, it did. It was called, you know, global catastrophic flood. It not bottlenecked the whole population down to eight people. They won't go with that. Well, they might listen to the Indians. Well, the Indians think it happened. You know, it's interesting, back to, we first, we call them Indians because Christopher Columbus, you know, he didn't discover Canada. <laughs> but uh, the, the, the Indians, uh, the Central American Indians, the Aztecs, I believe, or the Mayans, I can't remember which, but they not only said that there was a flood, they calculate the, the age between the time God created the first human beings and the time of the flood. They're within 50 years of the timeline of the Bible. How did you get in middle America with those? And otherwise, this, is, this, is, this evolved, if you will, in the Middle East. How did they do that? Well, unless... You know, just pure by chance, and you know, people can come up with random numbers by chance, or they came, they originated in the same places. The stories did. It's very interesting. Their their calendars are very, uh, very accurate, very good uh, compared to most. So anyway, Lauren, I don't know if I started pre I started preaching. I recall Carl Sagan saying, "The way things have been is, or the way things are, is the way they always they always have been." been. Yeah, Carl Sagan was a big believer in uniformitarianism. And there's no, again, they, they just have, you have to believe that, but, but the evidence demonstrates something very different. Like I said, what system is laying down a mile of sediment? Average mile, a mile. Some places way, way more than that. Globally, including the, the earth, the, the, the ocean basins. A mile of sediment? What system is doing that? It had to come, that dirt had to come from somewhere. The sand and the rock and the shale and all that had to come from somewhere. Where did it come from? And what put it down in a way that's not being putting, put down today. Uh, you know, south-flowing rivers like the Rio Grande is laying down sediment in a south-southerly direction. West-flowing rivers are flowing. But there was, you go down beyond a certain level geologically, and there are almost continent-sized areas of sediment that were laid down sometime in the past from east to west across the entire continent of North America, across the entire continents of South America, Africa, what, what system is doing that? We don't have a system like that. We don't have that system. But they won't, they won't tell you that because that's, that's data that, that defeats their positions. They want you to believe this has always happened. It's always been exactly the way it is forever and ever. Everything's been going and depositing. I mean, what system? Everybody's burning fossils in their car. You know that, right? Like dead people from the time before as you fill up your gas tank. That's some sinners, you know, truly. And all the plants and all the animals squashed down into hundreds of billions of gallons of this liquid that we have refined. Again, we're not creating anything. We're just reorganizing atoms. And into, in, the Canadians have most of it, and the, and the Arabs. Uh, what, what system is doing that today? Nothing. Why, why we had you know millions upon millions of buffalo killed in the in the in middle America, uh, basically to get rid of the American Indians. Uh, but there's almost no fossils. We know that they were there. We have pictures of them. But there's almost no fossils. Why? They were not buried. And and why why and not only are there not bone fossils, there's not oil and gas being produced from their decomposed bodies because they all decomposed above the ground because nobody buried them. In fact, you can't just bury them. You've got to get them way down there where there's no germs and there's no viruses and there's no oxygen. And they have to be squeezed under great pressure. Something in the past did that prolifically with a whole bunch of uh, starter fluid, lots of animals and plants and other things, and buried it very deep and put it under a lot of pressure and turn it into the stuff that you're burning in your cars and the coal that you're burning to fire your, uh, your houses or whatever. Uh, something did. That, something isn't, that system isn't existing today. We don't, that we don't, we don't know what it is. I, I, you do. You've, you've read it. You got taught that in Sunday school. I did. It's called the flood. God was very serious about judging the worth. And man, is the evidence prolific. So we're going to look at that, though, a couple weeks. So. But I keep saying a couple weeks. We're running out of time. Got all this great evidence that I'm going to give you, and I don't know if I have time to do it all. Yes, sir. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I'm here. What can you 
restate that quote of Darwin as children Yeah. I'm sorry I didn't put it in on the slides. I just, because it's better than, better than Adolf Hitler, I think. I'm determined to escape from design and a personal God at all costs. This is part of his memoirs, not a part of, not a part of uh, his uh, origins. By the way, you know the word origins and the word genesis are the same words? You know that, right? He, he wrote that as to, to be diametrically opposed to your book in the Bible called Genesis. The word Genesis is, is, I believe it's Greek or Latin, but it means origins. He just randomly picked that name. He picked it specifically because he wants to he wants to divorce himself from the God of the Bible and anyone who follows him from the God of the Bible. It was his whole point. Not interested in data. You just search for the truth, whatever the truth is. Because you can't ignore, I mean, like I said, the evidence is so prolific. You look around, it's like, obviously, somebody created this. Well, that's really hard if I want to live in my sin with a, and, and deal with my conscience. So if I can blind myself for the rest of my life and think somehow I can get away and do whatever I want to and not answer to God. Of course, as soon as life's over, all that's all, you know, the mask comes off. But if I can mask myself between now and then, and, you know, or, you know, as opposed to drink myself into oblivion, which was the other option, uh, I can just delude myself into uh, anesthetize myself so I don't feel the, the burden that I have uh, to, to obey and listen and, and answer to God. And I'll do that. Like I said, if you love your sin enough, you'll come up with any system. That's the explanation for all, all false religion. If you love your sin enough, you'll any system, anything that, that keeps you from having to say yes, sir, to God. He was against it. And everything he wrote was from that perspective. David. I guess I'm a little bit confused. Everybody here is that's born again is either going to get Gonna go from time to eternity, either during the rapture or through their own death. Yes. We're gonna come back to the thousand year millennial reign. Resurrected. Right, but we're not gonna sin and everybody else is gonna be sin. And we'll be ruling along with Christ, not just living, ruling. We'll be in charge. Uh, you'll be granted uh, authority. Jesus described it as cities. So he gave, gave you a, a talent, and you managed it well. Go, be in charge of ten cities. In what? The millennial reign. There'll be a lot of people. Well, a thousand years where there's conditions are going to be far better, and there's going to be you know, back to some, some of the conditions of, of uh, prior to the flood. Uh, like a canopy, we don't, I'm going to have time to talk about a canopy, but the possibility of a canopy in the past that kept pressure here on the earth, that kept oxygen levels higher and eliminated a lot of our seasons and sub-zero seasons up there and other things uh, too hot down here and all that. There's lots of, these are all conjecture, but again, trying to read into the scriptures why things like, for instance, why wasn't there any rain prior to the flood? Because the Bible clearly says that. So you got 2,000 years in which there's no rain, but the earth was watered some other way, and you got a guy building a boat on a hill saying it's going to rain when you've never seen that before. And then when it's all over, as demonstration that things have now changed, God puts a, a sign in the heavens to say that this is his sign that he'll never flood the earth again. You have never seen the sign before. By definition, it couldn't be a sign. Called rainbow, right? So it requires you to say there was no rain. Or they were either, either there was no rain or there was no sunshine, or they didn't happen at the same time, which is impossible, 2,000 years. So one or the other, we know there was sun, but really indication there's no rain. So anyway, that going back to those conditions to, to, to a certain level in, in the environment, there's going to be lion will lay down with the lamb. You're still going to have lions, so you have lambs. They're not going to be eating each other. That's the way God originally created it. So, so God's pushing, if you will, uh, entropy is being pushed back in, in certain areas, in certain ways. Entropy is being pushed back in our lives because we'll be resurrected. But in other parts of the created order, things are still in a spiral, in a death spiral. Then he's going to eliminate all the heavens and all the earths and everything that was corrupted and all those who sinned against him will be judged. And a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness and no corruption reigns. And that's going to be our forever state. Which is going to be on, not in heaven, it's going to be in the earth. So new heavens, new earth. Because everything's been corrupted because he cursed everything. The ground. So if, you're, if he cursed the ground and your body and the plants and animals all came from the ground, guess what? 
It's the same system. Entropy. It's bred into us. It's all good? Perfectly clear? Yes, sir? Your thoughts about Darwin, um, his motivations, uh, did he come clean? No, he never did. He, he, has some, he has some moments. So you read his memoirs. He didn't near believe his stuff near as much as his followers did. He had a lot of heart searching. And I've not read all this stuff, and I've not read the origin of species. What's that? He had lots of reservations and lots of... He said he, he was among the most honest of evolution because he said, listen, if, if things could be proven where it didn't work, like, for instance, microbiology, my, my, my conclusions would completely fall, fall apart. Well, they have been invented since then, but they've kept them, even though their, their, their originator said it won't work unless these things are true and they've been proven not to be true. He didn't have population statistics. He didn't have the numbers. He didn't have laws of thermodynamics. He had, even though it was observable, you know, I mean, obviously everybody's known that everything goes downhill. But he, he tried to come up with something that, more than anything, for, for himself, to just simply say, I, he's, there's, a, there's a lot of diabolical people out there, and I don't put, I don't put Darwin in that group, per se. I, I don't believe he's going to be in heaven. I believe he was anti-God, but he's not the same as a Joseph Smith, as a, as a um, Mayor Baker Eddy, as a uh, Mohammed who absolutely hated God and wanted to take as many people down with him as they possibly could. He's not that kind of diabolical person. He was more of a person just trying to deal with his own convictions and, and um Deep, deep convictions because he was raised in a culture that believed the Bible, and so he wanted to, he wanted to stop that. And uh, I don't think he, I don't, from reading what little I have read about him, understand about him, I don't think he really had the understanding that he would take that people would really take him seriously as far as as far as we have. So, but again, some some people here may be much more educated in Darwin than I am. I don't know. I don't have time to to mess with that. So, too many things that I can know that are true. I just don't have time to read all these things. So, be a pastor at the same time and a husband and fish. You know, stuff I got to do. Life's too short. All right. Thanks for your time. Uh, let's pray. God, we thank you that uh, you hold all truth and uh, you can withhold it. And if we're determined to not listen to the truth, then you can put upon us a blindness that we cannot overcome. And we see that today. Uh, we see it. If we harden our hearts enough, like Pharaoh, then you come and harden us, God. I pray uh, against that judgment. I pray uh, for our nation and for our world that their hearts would be tender towards you. Their hearts would listen to, to the truth. Um, God, that you would move them. We know we don't move to the truth unless you energize us that way. So we're asking you to intervene. We ask you to, to help us to be your ambassadors uh, to a world that's in great darkness uh, who who not just who believes in evolution who doesn't know who created them how dark can we possibly be thank you god for speaking to us and for this time we have together bless these these things from your scriptures in our hearts we ask in jesus name amen thanks for visiting find us at www.islandbaptistchurch.org